Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Up on the whiskey toast, home fries on the side. Wash it down with the roadhouse coffee, burns up your inside. You're just a canyon caller at a diner, and a waitress I did love. A tad in the back beneath an old stuffed bear, and a worn out never hold up. No, Jack, the boss, he left at six, then it's Katie, bar the door. She pulled down that Navajo rug and she spread it across the floor. Hey, I saw lightning cross the sacred mountain, saw the woven turtle doves. But I was lying next to Katie on that old Navajo rug. I, I, I. About a year ago, he said the place burned to the ground. And all I'd say was this old bear tooth, Katie, she's left town. Oh, but Katie, she got her souvenir too, Jack's bad a tobacco plug. Well, you should have seen her coming through the smoke, a dragon that never hold rug. Aye, 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 Time across the sacred mountains and lightning breaks above. It always takes me back in time to my long lost Katie love. But everything that's on a move, everybody's on the go. Hey, you don't find things that last anymore like an old and never Well, live from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. Here we are. Can you believe a week ago we were live in Albuquerque at the convention? It's, what happened to this last week? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, in some ways, it seems like a long time ago because I was missing my wife who was out mm-hmm. there. But uh, but she finally made it home on Monday evening, and uh, yeah, you guys had a great time out there. Terrific event, didn't you? Oh, it was yes, it was yes, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It just went so smoothly, and um, so many people. It was like old home week. I got lots of hugs, gave lots of hugs. They didn't wear a cowboy hat, so it's easy to give a hug when. You're not wearing a cowboy hat, and the person you're hugging is wearing one. I've learned just don't wear a hat if you want hugs. Yeah, 
you got you have to learn to turn your head sideways when yeah. that happens, I think. Um, really, but anyway. Hey, that was Ian Tyson with his great song, Navajo Rug, to get things started off today. I, I wanted to ask, though, Bobby, was there anything special that stood out for you during the convention in Albuquerque this past week? Oh, my goodness. Um, Gary McMahon's uh, uh, talk at the opening luncheon was just um, just fabulous. And actually, J.J. Steele, who's a DJ and I believe a poet, introduced him. And the introduction to Gary was, was as memorable as Gary. Andy Hedges, Andy Hedges Thursday night um, concert with um, his daughter coming out and, and accompanying him on fiddle a couple of times was just another priceless moment. Um, the uh, the youth chapter um, uh, performance that they did the uh, during the award show and and uh, a tribute part of it was a tribute to Ian Tyson. Part part of what they did was fabulous. Gone with the West. We finally got to see them on stage uh, Friday night, and then they opened the award show Saturday night. You know, um, the DJ workshop was great. Every it was just, you know, Gary. There, it's I couldn't pick a highlight. I, I really, I really couldn't pick a highlight. It was all right. It was just terrific. All right. Yeah, everything all right. was just terrific. Well, one of the terrific things about the convention was the guys and lady that are going to be on the show today. And so, yes. why don't you tell us who will be joining us? All right. Well, we are going to be chatting with the four aces and the queen in just a moment. All right. We're looking forward to talking with Valerie, Floyd, <laughs> Dennis, Terry, and Dale. And uh, this is going to be one heck of a show, I'm going to tell you. It'll be like herding cats, I think, with this bunch. But we're going to have a great time doing it. And uh, we're going to be starting that in just a moment. But right now, we're going to go back a few years to a great song by Don Edwards and Rex Allen. It's one called Doggone Cowboy. This song was written by our good friend Cowboy Joe Babcock. So we're going to take a listen to that and then we'll be back and visit with Four Aces and a Queen today on the Campfire Cafe. I'm kin to the roving wind That brings the norther in Along that dusty trail I take my stand The steers are big and bold And the nights are often cold But I'll get by as long as I can throw that rope and brand that calf And dream of a girl in a photograph I got no home, got no wife, but I'll be a doggone cowboy all of my life. I'm up at the crack of dawn, I throw the bacon on, seems somehow my work is never through. When I get done at night, all the stars are big and bright. Then it's all in what you used to when You throw that rope and brand that calf And dream of a girl in a photograph I got no home, got no wife 
So I'll be a doggone cowboy all of my life. What do you think, Rick? Whip him up there, Donald. Move along there. Hot, dry winds may blow. You find me in the rain and snow With just an old campfire to keep me warm I'll move the herd along And I'll greet them with a song So I guess that I was born To throw that rope, brand that calf And dream of a girl in a photograph They got no home, got no wife so I'll be a doggone cowboy all of my life. I'll be a doggone cowboy all of my life. Welcome back to the award-winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Again, that was Doggone Cowboy featuring Don Edwards and Rex Allen. What do you get when five cowboy poets corral their unique verses in the hopes that the tales they spin will give you a look into the lives and minds of the American cowboy? When these five award-winning poets present their poetry in both written and spoken form, you get the entertaining album and the engaging book, Four Aces and a Queen. We're delighted to present all five of these poets to you today, who are the four aces? Terry Nash, Dale Page, Dennis Russell, and the 2023 IWMA Male Poet of the Year, Floyd, Bird, uh, Floyd Beard. And who is the queen? 2023 IWMA Female Poet of the Year, Valerie Beard. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, the four aces, Dennis Russell, Terry Nash, Dale Page, and Floyd Beard, and the queen, Valerie Beard. Welcome all. Good to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is going to be so much thinking fun. I'm telling you what. I am telling you what. But anyway, thanks for joining us today. And uh, and so we're going to start with Valerie because she's the lady of the bunch. She's the queen. Valerie, how did all this come to be? How did four aces and a queen come to be? Well, several years ago, um, the four guys were, you know, they were, they've been good friends for a long time and, and they were just standing around talking and, and it just hit me, you know, these guys need to write. This, this would be pretty fun just to have a, a book with the, the four of them. And in the process of them writing, they, they said, well, you need to be in it as well. And, and I, I kind of resisted. I said, no, I don't think so. And, but they, they were firm in their convictions that I needed to be on there. And so then, then we had to come up what to call me because I, I called them the four aces from from the beginning. <laughs> so that's kind of where it came from. All right. And then All right. Uh, recently, um, Bernard Carr was visiting with Dennis Russell. And said, well, you know, why don't you make a CD to go with that book? We'd really enjoy that. And 
And Dennis just took that and ran with it. So thanks, Dennis, for doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, thank you, Dennis, because I love the CD. It is absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, so Dennis, who who produced this for you? Who recorded it? Where did you record it? We we recorded this in Alamosa, and Donnie Richmond at Howling Dog Studios did this for us, and it was so much fun. We uh, all five stayed here at the ranch at Red Wing, and then we all went over the next day, and he just put us through the line one at a time, and we got all of this recorded, and then he spent the next week or so putting some backup music to it and sent it back to us, and there was no retakes or no redos. He he does such a marvelous job. Um, I would recommend Donnie to anybody. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, it's kind of cool, and this is a cool album cover that you've got on this, but uh, when you do part two, when you do book number two, CD number two, uh, I think you need to be sitting around the card table this next time. <laughs> that would be pretty I, can cool. I make, can I make a comment about the album? Sure. Okay. Um, thank you for making it available as a as a CD. I know there's lots of conversation about you know all of that. But what I really like is that you actually have a wonderful booklet inside that has the poems. And it even includes some of the photography. Some of the images that we see in the book are also in that um, wonderful booklet. And um, it just makes the packaging uh, one and just terrific. Um, I know sometimes, you know, you, maybe you will be making this available for, you know, downloads, but you miss so much of what you have all done in the creation of this album if you just download it. So people listening today, you need to actually invest in the whole CD. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby King. <laughs> <laughs> you can pay her after the show. You can pay her no. that plug after the show. Uh, that is funny that is funny hey well i'm going to get to a point we're going to come back and talk to the other three aces in just a little bit but uh, we're going to start out with a great poem that valerie did no better life and uh valerie how did this poem come to be well um three of the aces dennis and terry and floyd were headed down to alp um in February one year, and you know, weather was coming in, and we were living south of or south of Lyman by Pumpkin Center at the time. And uh, I told Floyd, you know, I'll just go home. And I'll take care of the the cows. And and of course, the weather did come in, and it caught the guys on the road as well. They were driving in a blizzard at one two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh wow! But um, it just gave it was just fertile ground for for poetry. So. And this was my first poem. All right. This is No Better Life. It's Valerie Beard. And uh, it is from the album Four Aces and a Queen. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. The old faucet drips as slowly she sips her coffee in morning's dull glow. Storms rage in the battle. She's home with the cattle. The temperature reads five below. 
The wind was a-blowing, it was still snowing. She stepped out to do morning chores. Snow is a-drifting with icy snakes sifting. A solid sheen sealed the barn doors. Wet flakes stung her face. She steadied her pace. Her scarf danced an icy staccato. Wires thrummed out a wail. Trees bent to the gale. Barn eaves moaned a mournful vibrato. Inside it was still. She forked them their fill. They nickered from stall safe and warm. She calmed down their fears, scratched soft neck and ears, then plunged right back into the storm. The truck started rough, but it was enough. She had loaded the bales night before, then drove from the haystack with two dogs in the back and one settled down on the floor. Adrift to the knee, she broke the gate free and plowed into the sheltered corral. With no cows in there yet, a feller could bet that old horn rip would soon be her pal. Was it worth the chance to play the gate dance just in case the old Jessies came in? She rolled bales to the ground and glanced round at the sound of that old horn cow just sporting a grin. Horn sallied right up and started to sup on a bale that she jerked to the ground. Ignoring the cow, the wife furrowed her brow and spread hay with a vigor newfound. Confronting the cow, the wife knew that somehow she must wrestle that bale on again. With a wave and the yell, old Horn could just tell. It was time to move on in the pen. Now with the cow gone, she tossed the bale on. The dogs hunkered down by the spare. She crawled back in the truck, spun out through the muck, back into the rime-frosted air. Her cowboy's away. Thoughts with her today, and he worries for her with the chores. They had predicted a squall that arrived at nightfall, and he wished she could just stay indoors. But back home in the gale, she knows without fail, the ice on the tank will be frozen, a lick of the axe and several hard whacks, and she thinks of the life that they've chosen. Shards flew here and there, spray froze in the air, ice chunks were soon scattered about. Cows filtered in slow. They all seemed to know that she'd be there for them, there's no doubt. Cows walked to the hay, a bovine buffet. She's glad they'd come in from the range. Now two years in a drought, but they'd never sell out. She knew others might think that strange. Stood watching the meat while the wild wind beat at her clothes caked and frozen with snow. Then, after a while, walked off with a smile and thought, no better life she could know. The Queen, Valerie Beard, No Better Life, from the album Four Aces and a Queen. Also, the title track of an individual CD, which won the IWMA Cowboy Poet CD of the Year last weekend. No Better Life. Um, Valerie, what was it like? You heard your name called twice during the award show. What, what went through your mind each time? You know, Bobby Jean, that is as, that is as good as it gets. You know, you, you love being named the male or female poet. That's an honor, such an honor. But like I said in the award show, you just, you carve out parts of your soul and put it on that disc. 
And mm-hmm. so you share that with the world and, and that that's big. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was <laughs> such a thrill. Well, it was very exciting to be in the audience always doing the award show and, and um, you know, we might predict who we think will win and, and sometimes we're right and sometimes it's out in left field and you just never know. It's just always so exciting. <laughs> you know? And everybody jumps up and, you know, we yeah. all applaud and, you know, <laughs> very exciting. exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And congratulations on both of those awards. We, um, I have a question maybe kind of for the group. Um, could you, could somebody for our listening audience that we've had poets on many, many times, but for our listening audience, could somebody kind of just talk a little bit about what is, this is poetry, but it's cowboy poetry. And why, why does it, why is it called cowboy poetry? Anybody, anybody can take that Okay, Dale, to you. <laughs> well, it's cowboy poetry because of the subject matter. Um, we are pointed toward a certain type of person, and what we want to do is share that cowboy lifestyle and all that it means with people. Um, there's thousands and millions of people out there that have no idea what cowboy poetry is, so there just aren't that many of us in the, and it's our duty to use the form of a poem to uh, relay what what the cowboy life is. And even though it's somewhat different, the values of a cowboy are still the same as as when he was born back in the post Civil War days. Mm-hmm. And is there a particular? form to follow is there is free verse part of what can be a cowboy poem or is it um always following the rules of rhyme and meter well it's usually rhyme and meter there are some really good free verse poets like john doffelmeyer but he's very much in the minority most people who write rhyme uh excuse me write in rhyme and meter and okay. so it's it's a recognizable form if you weren't asleep in English class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to now ask Floyd a question because Gary has queued up. Floyd, the next piece is early summertime. Do you want to give us a little background before he plays it? Sure. You know, uh, riding down here in the canyons, we live in southeast Colorado in the canyons. And as we're riding or out checking our cattle, one of the most beautiful times of year is early summertime, especially if you've gotten some winter and spring moisture because the grass will be growing. And when it starts putting on a head, it's protected by some sheath leaves and it's called in the boot. And also the Choya cactus is putting on buds, which in during the summertime will go ahead and blossom in beautiful, deep burgundy uh, blossoms or the ones that we have here. There's some varieties that are a bright yellow and just beautiful blossoms. But at this time of year, in early summertime, they're in the bud. And so that's where it denotes that if it's in the bud and in the boot, you're in early summertime. You're not 
when it's real hot yet. So that's kind of where that comes from. Yeah, this is a great, great poem. Early summertime, Floyd Beard. We're going to be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. When you're riding in the canyons in the early summertime and it's just breaking daylight and the world seems sublime, you hear canyon wrens a-trilling and the horned owl's haunting hoot when the buds are on the choya and the grass is in the boot. Cottonwoods along the bottom shimmer in the morning breeze and they sparkle and they glitter as early sun rays kiss their leaves. The morning air is cool and soothing, but it will soon get hot as you ride beneath wild grapevines tangled in a woody knot. You see baby grapes in clusters, paltry marbles, that is all, but they predict a tasty harvest. Jams and jellies come next fall. Morning beauty from the maker, and you give quick thanks to him and see dawn's early sun rays glowing rosy on a dim and distant rim. And then you spot the strays you're hunting, hear rocks roll up above as they race to get around you. It's a game you've come to love. And your pony's ears prick forward. You know he's ready for the chore. He's looking for their trail now, for he's played this game before. They don't want no fenced-in pasture, nor under shed and fed mowed hay. And though you feel the same about it, you light out after them anyway. The leader turns and shakes her rack, and then she begins to paw. But you see the other riders closing in from down the draw. You've soon got them bunched and trailing across the valley to the ranch. You race out and turn a quitter, dodging round a cedar branch. Yes, this is the life you've chosen, a life of work and love, running cattle in the canyons, neath the blue sky up above. And no time is more inviting, pushing strays to the chute, than when the buds are on the choya and the grass is in the boot. Oh, that's a great poem. Great poem. Early summertime, Floyd Beard. And uh, reminds me, I lived in El Paso for about four years and spent a lot of time over in New Mexico. And uh, traveling back up toward uh, Ruidosa and uh, Alamogordo and all those areas, it was just so cool to see the cactus blooming out on the desert. You know, what had just been brown, barren, all of a sudden was in bloom. Well, I've got yep. to ask a question of all you guys. And uh, Terry Nash, I'm going to start with you. How in the heck <laughs> did all of you guys meet? How did you guys meet? You know, it's all through cowboy poetry, Gary. Uh, uh, so many of us met, oh, I don't know, 14 years ago. There was a cowboy poetry contest down in Montrose, Colorado, and, and that's where I met Dale, at least. It was called a Okay. National Cowboy Poetry Rodeo, and, and and but we've we performed in various places and ran into each other, and and uh, we've just become a family. It's uh, we're all great friends, and in uh, I don't know, it's a pretty special thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, for folks that are listening around the world, because we have people that are listening today 
in Australia and Germany and the Netherlands and and uh, Saudi Arabia, all over the place. Tell our folks what a cowboy gathering is. And uh, oh, Jerry, why don't you just go ahead and do that? Yeah, it, you know, it's a gathering of cowboy poets and Western musicians, and we get together and, and have a, a festival, if you will. We will have lots of different performers and it might spend a, a day and an evening or maybe two days and an evening uh, and two evenings uh, just uh, doing our thing, just performing and, and the crowds come in and, and uh, it's just a, you know, just a gathering and putting on our shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a pretty cool deal. And, uh, and it, it's a little bit like, uh, the convention in Albuquerque, whether it's where it's kind of a old home week, but I know that when you guys are performing, it's a little different when you're so busy. But uh, but it's just a cool deal to be able to get together. When I was listening to this uh, to this album, uh, I have put on an event several years called Rendezvous, where it's trail riding and music and poetry and. Um, vendors that come and as I was listening to this I thought you know I'm just inclined to get a small group together and go up into the big south fork up in east Tennessee with about 20 folks and ride up there in that wilderness and sit around the campfire and pick and sing and tell tales and that just <laughs> put me right in the mood that so. well could I just could I just say right now that there's probably five of us that would join you at a moment all right all right <laughs> <laughs> All right, we move. we may have to expand that number from about twenty then to this. But yeah. anyway, that would be great. That would be great. Well, I want to get to another poem. This one is one from Dale Page. It's called "The Old Coosie." So tell us about this one, Dale. Well, first of all, Coosie is a transliteration of the Spanish word cocinero, the, in other words, the cook. So you'll you can interchange Coosie and cookie. Um, the reason I wrote it is that uh, it's a follow-up to Bruce Kiscadden's poem, The Old Nighthawk. And in his soliloquy, the old nighthawk mentions that there's only one person in the outfit that knows about his checkered past, and that person is the old coosie. And he also <laughs> followed up that and said, he will never tell. So uh, I wrote this about the old Coosey, and he tells a little bit about his own checkered past, and I think you can reasonably infer that the old Nighthawk had such a past also. All right. Well, let's take a listen to this. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, most streaming platforms. Just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. This is the Campfire Cafe. Be right back. I watched the old Nighthawk ride out of the camp as I dumped out the dregs on the ground. We'd shared the last cup in the cold and the damp as we watched the Big Dipper spin round. His shoulders were slumped as he rode toward the dark to go face all his demons again. When the dawn rolls around with the trill of the lark, he'll be back here, still packing his pain. We've never once spoke of the secrets we hold, but our eyes lock in silent ascent of emptiness earned in our vain search for gold 
while our chances for peace came and went. When I's a button, they's fire in my guts, and I burned every bridge that I crossed. I whittled my youth with a thousand small cuts, and I never once cared what it cost. I rented a life I could never afford, and sowed trouble wherever I went. I traded their welcome for grief and discord. Never cared how my wages were spent. Then just like that Nighthawk, I chose the wrong trails, and those trails faded out like my friends. My dreams disappeared like the cloudy mare's tails broken up by life's cold winter winds. Whatever the sins the old Nighthawk has done, I've committed much more and much worse. I was rightly accused of what caused me to run, and it's followed me here like a curse. I broke all the rules, and I broke every oath. Broke the heart of one lass, maybe two. I wasted my youth in the dark undergrowth where the thorns and the wild roses grew. I sit here alone in the fire's fading light, and I wonder how time went so fast. I search for some way to turn wrong into right. Can men ever outlive their past? I'm left with the ashes of all of those years, the mistakes and decisions I made. I sit here alone with my ghosts and my fears in a life that I wish I could trade. There just ain't no limit to what I would give for a time without worry or strife. But how many years will it take to outlive all the evil I've done in my life? The world won't remember the good things I've done. It's my last act that folks will recall. Lord, give me a chance as I finish this run to break even for once and for all. I lived my own life and I made my own choice. Treated friends all too often like foes. I listen at night to the devil's own voice and I'm paying for all that I chose. Thank you. You are welcome. You are welcome. So give us a little bit back, a little background on the history of cowboy poetry. How did that actually get started? And uh, Dennis, yeah, Dennis, Dennis, why don't you go ahead and take that one? Sure. And Dale had a, a pretty good indication of what it was about. But remember, way back when... We were running the big herds west and north. Um, there was no instruments, and there was not much paper and pencil. And so yeah. the stories originated uh, from the the cowboys on the trail, and the best way to remember them was in rhyme. They A lot of the songs then and today started as poems. 
and the the history was remembered because it was written in meter and rhyme. Do you mean to tell me that cowboys were not carrying their guitars on their back as they were herding cattle? <laughs> <laughs> and there were not wagons with the horns, and and, uh, and Bob Wills was not rolling along with them. No, that's as much, that's, as, as, as much as we'd like to believe the old movies and TVs. That's it. We were yeah. occasionally you'd run into a mouth harp or something like that, but um, yeah. really, our history was brought to us through meter and run. Yeah, and 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 as. Uh, as music was put to it, a lot of those musicians came from the Appalachian Mountains and from Ireland and from Scotland and uh, they, across true. the country. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, amazing. pretty amazing. Well, I, I would like to add, though, Gary, this is Terry. Uh, one, there's a story that one cowboy did try to bring along an accordion, and it, but it was too cumbersome, and it annoyed the horse. <laughs> I could imagine that. I could imagine that. Oh gosh. Well, we're going to get to a Terry Nash poem right now, and this is Springs right around the corner. Tell us about this, Terry. You know, I've, I've got this thing. I do a countdown this time of year. For instance, it's it's thirty-seven days till the days start getting longer, and and then right around the corner from there. Yeah, spring's yeah. right around the corner, and and so you know you know how Facebook is. You're always, I'm always making a lot of noise on Facebook, and I got to where I was, uh, you know, I'd I'd do that countdown, and it was kind of a positive way of looking at these damp, dark fall, late fall days where you don't hardly have any sunlight. It seems, and and uh, you know, spring's right around the corner, and uh, somebody challenged me to write a poem about that. And, and uh, you know, it just came together. That's, that's where this poem came from. All right. Well, spring is right around the corner. I was just thinking last night how I hated that 4.30 getting dark here in, in Nashville, you know. I think and we it all It won't do, be long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, 8 o'clock, that's fine. 8 o'clock is fine. 4.30 is a little bit early. But, uh, <laughs> spring is right around the corner. This is Terry Nash. We'll be back in just a moment. He's up to his shoulder in the back of a cow, and the toes were pointing all wrong. It's mid-February and colder than, wow, and this calf was starting out wrong. His feet were frosted, his ears growing numb, and he'd rather been anywhere. If you stick in this business, you're just plain dumb, and his language colored the air. They worked till they got the calf turned around and then let Mother Nature take hold. The heifer soon had her calf on the ground and worked against shivering cold. With that light in the window, his wife would be up. She knows he's on heifer watch. So, taking time out for just one warming cup, he clattered on into the porch. He glanced at the wall where the calendar hung, willing the days to speed up. Spring's round the corner, she merrily sung when she brought him in his first cup. He grinned at her optimistic ways and warmed a little inside. They'll see a change in a matter of days. He turned back to the heifers outside. The days grow longer this time of year, but the weather can still treat you rough. 
Spring's round the corner and dang near here, but it can't get here soon enough. Well, she stared out the window above the sink, noticed some signs out there. The elms were budding, and it made her think of robins and warm spring air. She sat at the table where today's mail lay and picked up a seed magazine and dreamed of the garden she'd plant someday and pictured it driving in green. But beets and spinach, romas and corn need warm soil to be planted in. She'd have to be patient till some spring morn when the work outside could begin. The days grow longer this time of year and we just have to try to hang tough. Spring's round the corner and dang near here, but they can't get here soon enough. The old bay gelding stood in his pen and watched while the hay machine worked. It pumped out bale and bale again as the Ferguson torqued and jerked. Another cold winter has finally flown and he's looking good today. His teeth are most completely wore down, but he survived on second cut hay. He leaned on the gate and longingly gazed at the green grass out in the field recalled other springs when he'd finally grazed and wished the darn gate would yield. Thirty-two winters have taken their toll, and gray hair highlights his face. First thing he'll do is have a good roll, then throw in with the mares for a race. The days grow longer this time of year, and we just have to try to hang tough. Spring's round the corner and dang near here, but it can't get here quick enough. Terry Nash springs right around the corner from the brand new album of poetry, Four Aces and a Queen. Great storytelling. Um, Terry, I have a question for you. When uh-huh. you're writing a poem, and actually, if you would answer this first and then any, anybody, it would be great to hear from a second person. When writing a poem, do you know that eventually you will recite it? And so when you're writing it, are you reciting it kind of at the same time do you plan that every poem that you write is going to be recited i guess is the question you know it's more like i hope that each poem i write will be worthy of a crowd (laughs) worthy of an audience but it doesn't always doesn't always work that way bobby jean but but uh usually you know you 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 like what you wrote and and uh, sometimes they're personal, sometimes they're esoteric, and sometimes, well, yeah, you you think, okay, this one's going to work. And yeah, so it's exciting, it's fun, and yeah, sometimes it can be excruciatingly long before I can get a poem finished. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Janice, I'm going to throw the same question to you because we will then be playing um, Bittersweet. So... What about you? Do you do you write to recite? Um, a good example would be um, you do both. You, you hope to be able to recite it down the road. But, for instance, this last weekend in the poetry contest, that was a true adventure that happened a year ago. But I wrote that to recite it in the poetry contest. So I would say it goes both ways. But always in hope that it would be of enough 
interest to people that you could recite it to them. Okay. And do you want to tell us a little about um, Bittersweet? Because that's what we're going to play next. Okay. I'd love to. (laughs) And also let me say that most poems start out true. And they they start from an adventure or something that happened. And they might not always end up quite completely true, but close to it. Um, Northern New Mexico folks put their stock out in the mountains or on the BLM land to graze during the late spring and early summer, and you have to go get it. And these ranch families up in that part of the country, they have the same method every year. They, they the same people, the same bloodline of horses, the same bloodline of cows, and you think it would all go smooth. But it seems like there's always something to come up. And this this did uh, happen to us in, in some way. Um, probably in 2012, I was um, had my cows on a ranch and with theirs, and we went up. And the adventure kind of describes what happened. And <laughs> it's, it's just kind of silly, but it, it turned out to be a good poem. Well, let's take a listen to Bittersweet. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Dennis Russell. At the end of September, when the gather begins of the herd up north, when the grass starts to thin, well, Cody and I trot along with their skills and to better the odds, ride Burbank and Bill. But it's that old apple tree that I still can recall that chewed bittersweet on that roundup last fall. The one that grows old on the rugged east bluff where riders don't prowl, the going is rough. Riding slow through the narrows is the only way to pass under that tree with the cliff-sided view and brown leaves hide the slope where the grass always grows and the rocky drop off and the wind always blows. Why, surely no cows could be grazing up there. It was the driest of years. It could only be bare. So me and the boys punched our gathered on in. We were short just a few. Well, just maybe ten, but we elected to eat before we rode back out, and we were waiting for grub and just jawing about while Cookie fired up that stained black and gray. Those few mavericks will just have to wait. But the brand boss drove up without making a sound, got out and said, looks like they're all found. I approached him with caution and said with a sigh, We're missing a few, and I think they're up high. Well, why are you boys here and not ready to mount? There'll be time to grub up when you balance that count. So Cody and Ike rattled hawks for the hills and did not return soon. So went Burbank and Bill. Bill rode in crazed as a man can get, and I joked with old Cookie. He has some news, I'll bet. He rambled off a story, one heck of a tale, so Bill, Cookie, and I started up that bluff trail. But Cookie said, wait. He grabbed his big apple pie to use as a tool when he confronted the guy that was making the ruckus and causing disrupt of the cowboys and cows that were now all corrupt. 
We arrived at the Narrows and looked on to the site Where one wrong move could have put that whole bunch into flight The stock and the riders had passed on through Unaware of the bear with the apple-stocked view And I lifted my hat and confirmed that that tree Lodged the biggest brown bear you ever did see No horse nor cow would ease on out under an overstuffed bear just lounging about. And any shot that was fired would cause stampede for the cliff. They were all so stiff-legged, feared danger they'd sniff. So we bribed that bear down with that great-looking pie, smelling so fresh of sweet apples and chai. Well, the adventure was over and we rode back to camp. The tally all balanced, the hands could revamp. But no one looked at Cookie, nor their thanks did they share. Still mad, cause he fed their whole pie to that bear. Bittersweet, Dennis Russell, and it is from Four Aces and the Queen, and we're talking with uh, Valerie Beard, Floyd Beard, Dennis Russell, Terry Nash, and Dale Page today, and uh, you guys have not been too too rough. You haven't felt like cats <laughs> being hurted no. today. No. You guys are pretty well behaved. But anyway. Hey, gentlemen. <laughs> the hour isn't over yet, Gary. That's true. That is true. That's true. We have ways to go. Well, Valerie, I wanted to ask another question, and that is, how did you select your poems to go on the CD? Well, I, I chose them that seemed to go pretty well in uh, when I'm gathering, and No Better Life has just been one that's always there. And then The Ladies League is a humorous one. You know, it's, of course, you know, mostly true. And then finishing up with the, the Welcome Home Girls one, it's a, a more serious one. But I, I just love the subject matter because it's about cattle and, and the country, and, and that's really what we love to write about. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that's how you selected yours. Floyd, how about you? How did you select your points for this? Well, uh the uh, the three that don't I say you asked Valerie. One... Don't don't say you asked Valerie. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I I actually did, but and I tried to pay attention to her answer. <laughs> okay. I do that. Yeah. All right. But you're a wise uh, man. You're a wise man. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the ones I selected were ones that that the audience really likes when I'm performing them, so I tried to pay a little attention to that and yeah. they're ones that are my favorites because the early summertime we talked about uh, is just a favorite time to be out there writing and so as I'm reciting that one I can picture every little movement in my mind and yeah. I really like to do that and then try to paint that picture for the listener and so there that was one reason I chose it, and the uh, Harley's Last Parade, of course, is is humorous. It's uh, a figment of my imagination, but 
Uh, <laughs> it's just fun. And I like to do poems that are fun. People like to hear them. People like to laugh. They do. So that, they that's do. a favorite. Yeah. And so uh, the now the Carlsbad is a kind of an educational poem along with the story that goes with it. And I I really like it because it came to me in the middle of the night and it has a unique rhyming pattern. So it was a little different pattern and a little different poem. And I thought it would blend in well that way on the CD. And my pards all seemed to like it. So I try to listen to them once in a while, but, you know, not too much, but a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, gosh. Oh, so, so Dale anyway, did, uh, the way I, mine. The, the, what you did. Yeah. Yeah. So Dale did, uh, did you kind of run by the poems that you wanted to put on the CD? Did you guys talk about the poems that were going to go on before you did the CD? Well, I, I chose Once We Were Kings because it's the title cut to my 2015 uh, CD that won the Cowboy Poetry CD of the Year. And uh, it's always been well received. And um, so that's why I chose that. I chose the old Coosie because it was the latest poem of uh, its length uh, that I had written. And uh, I, I liked the uh, subject matter for it as far as uh, choosing at the end of my rope it's probably the poem that I have performed more than any other that gets a lot of audience participation and hopefully that's in the laughs that the uh, absurdity of the poem uh, might elicit from the the crowd so I, I took some some time. I'm not so sure that we asked each other um, what we should use. Uh, at least nobody asked me. So. I <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, we're going to have to come back and find out more about how the poems were selected. But uh, Valerie, you mentioned the Ladies' League, and I have selected that poem to play today, and that is the next one we're going to do. And uh, so, tell us about the Ladies' League. Well, you know, this one's nearly true, <laughs> but uh, we were, I was going over to babysit our grandson and uh, our daughter-in-laws, and they run a small feedlot, and as I drove past her mother-in-law's house in the back of the truck that goes to town, there were two dead steers laying in there, and so I asked oh, wow. Linnea, what about the dead steers in the truck, and she says, Oh, Jennifer's going into bowling today, and she's going to drop those by the experimental station. And so <laughs> that became fertile ground for me. <laughs> and uh, experimental station is hard to rhyme with. So I, that that's, <laughs> that's where I deviated. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this is the Ladies' League. We'll be back in a moment. We're having a great time visiting with four aces and a queen today on the Campfire Cafe. The Ladies' League started at 10. She didn't want to be late. She fixed her face, stowed her bag, and flew out past the gate. Halfway there, her husband called and said, 
I hope that you don't mind to stop by at the vets today. It, it seems we're in a bind. You know the pen of calves we got last week, the ones from way down south? They're hanging heads they just won't eat, and they're foaming at the mouth. At first light, I was riding pens when two dropped over dead. I loaded them both right away, back in your pickup bed. And it was then that she first glanced into her rearview mirrors and saw eight legs a-waving around each time she shifted gears. With heavy heart, she hit the gas and knew she'd have to speed to get these to the vets in time so they'd be necropsied. She took the corner on two wheels. Her heart was in a froth, but knew to make it to the lanes, she'd have to cut a swath. The pickup barely touched the ground. She thought she had it made until she saw the city cop sitting in the shade. By the time she got shut down, he had pulled in right behind, right there across from Valley Lanes, and she knew she was in a bind. The bowling gals all stood and stared, all primped and fluffed and clean, while she just slid down in her seat, a feeling mighty green. The officer stood at her door. She knew her life had ended. Then she glanced back at her load, their bellies all distended. She talked real quick amid the flies and said that she must go. Twouldn't be long in this hot sun. Those carcasses would blow. He waved her on. She flew across town, sliding to a stop behind the vets. They winched them out before the steers could pop. Back at the lanes, the ladies grinned and stopped her near the screen and rattled off their questions about that load that they had seen. So it'd be just as she thought and feared the coming roast, for they all had out their camera phones creating their next post. (laughs) (laughs) The Ladies League, (laughs) Valerie Beard, another track from this wonderful CD, and also, of course, featured in the companion book, Four Aces and a Queen. Valerie, um, when you write a humorous uh, poem and and you're kind of learning the recitation of it, do you... Do you anticipate where an audience, you know, might laugh? You know, when an audience laughs, sometimes the laugh comes a little late. And you might be already moving on to the next line, and then you sort of have to – like, how how do you prepare recitation for a humorous poem? Does that make sense? <laughs> well, yes, I, I think it does. You know, it, how you prepare is by doing it. You yeah. you go and, and recite it for an audience and and you just kind of watch carefully and, and you try not to get in too much of a rush. Times with an audience, it's a little scary anyway because you're hoping, <laughs> oh my goodness, that you don't forget a line. But, um, you know, you're also watching your audience so that you don't do just what you said and then just run over the top of them as they're, as they're laughing. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's something you learn to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, learning the timing, because one audience might laugh in a certain place, but if you stop there the next time, that audience maybe isn't going to laugh there, you know? <laughs> <It's kind> of... <laughs> Absolutely. It's... Audiences are so different, you know? 
And so yeah. you, you just have to keep an eye on things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Floyd, you also, of course, do humorous poetry, and, and we're not going to um, play it, but Harley's Last Parade is just such a hysterical piece. And to, I had the pleasure of seeing you, of course, also perform it live last weekend. But the, um, we're going to do the, the next, um, I think, we're going to do Carlsbad. Uh, Floyd, um, Gary has that one queued up. But you want to talk a moment about performing humorous pieces and then maybe set up Carlsbad for us. Okay. The, uh, the humorous pieces and, and what you're referring to, uh, when and how much of the, is your audience going to laugh is a real critical point. I know I had some great advice from a, a well-known performer and he told me, he says, you know, you got to slow down and, and give the time, the audience time to laugh and have fun with you. And I was, I was going too fast and, and not giving them time to really laugh at the, the different laugh points in the poem. And so I took mm-hmm. that advice to heart and I've really tried to work on that and give them time to, to laugh and have fun with you and not just run over the top of them. But it is different than, than uh, maybe a real serious poem, but a, a real serious poem, there's points in there where you may want to pause just a little bit to give the the line that you just recited more emphasis and give the audience time to really let that soak in and think about it. And so mm-hmm. both of them have points that you need to really be in tune with your audience and and watching and listening to what how they're, reacting to your poetry mm-hmm. do you find that um sometimes and actually we'll ask this of floyd but another somebody else can answer too do you do you find sometimes your audience is actually kind of mouthing the words along with you which we know sing, uh, singers often have that happen you know where they 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 know they know what's coming next and they just say it along with you <laughs> do you do you find that yes yes and <laughs> and that's just a delight, you know, as as musicians, I'm sure that that they are just delighted when they hear the first few chords of a song and, and the people know what it is and they start applauding and they haven't even sang the song yet. And uh and they'll do that with, with your poetry too. When when one comes on that they really like, they'll start applauding before I can even get started on it. And, <laughs> and that, of course, is a real compliment that they they know your poetry well enough that they anticipate what's coming. And, and that's just uh, really, really fun when that happens. And mm-hmm. You're that mm-hmm. much in tune with your audience, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yes, that does happen. And then they'll be mouthing parts, and they'll know the line that's coming up, and they'll start laughing be- before you even get to the line. And, you know, you you can't stop all the time and let them laugh. Sometimes you just have to keep going, or you'll never get through your poem. This is a poem. It's a lot of fun to have that inter- interaction with your audience, and like there's there's a line in in uh uh Harley's last parade where 
people anticipate what's going to happen, and so I'll often pause there and I'll point at them and tell them, "Now don't get ahead of me here." And of course, that brings another big laugh, and and it's just a lot of fun to have that kind of fun with your audience. Mhm, mhm. Do you want to take a moment and tell us about Carlsbad, and then Gary will play it. The Carlsbad, as I alluded to earlier, came to me in the middle of the night, and it has a a unique rhyming pattern where most of the time you rhyme two lines. Well, this one rhymes three lines, and then every other, or yeah, every other couplet will rhyme with a line, and so it's it's really fun to pre- perform because it has that unique pattern. And then the Carlsbad itself is talking about a hat, a uh, shape, a shape of a hat, and uh, original uh, hats that came out by J.B. Stetson were the, uh, and, and my mind just went blank, but they didn't have much shape. And the miners headed west, they, they uh, enjoyed them because they got some, protection from the sun and the elements and but the cowboy also enjoyed them but he he rolled his up on the sides and put a little crease in the crown and and uh, one of the first recorded uh, modifications of the original hat style was the Carlsbad which is rolled up on the side and has a crease down the front it's a little different than what they call the Montana, but uh, very similar. And so now a lot of people call that uh, crease the Gus because of a a well-known movie that was made for mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. it. And uh, so it has a little education along with it, but. Um, these things were happening almost simultaneously. And uh, so there are those that argue that, it, that the Montana came first. But according to Stetson, and their, I've called their historian and talked to him. And uh, so that, that's kind of the historical part behind the Carlsbad. But... Uh, I put those things together, and that's that's where this poem comes from. Okay. Well, this is the Carlsbad. We won't call it the Gus, but I did love that movie. But this is the Carlsbad. <laughs> it's Floyd Beard. We'll be back in just a moment. The prospectors headed westward in search of the mother load. They endured the broiling sun and soaking rains. J.B. Stetson saw their plight and so invented for them a lid. The first style was known as the boss of the plains. Though the miners took right to it, the cowboy also saw its worth. But he rolled the brim and creased the dome a tad. Then he proudly wore his Stetson, the former boss of the plains, for the new crease was known as the Carlsbad. Many, many decades later, Hollywood made a film, Lonesome Dove, and it created quite a fuss. In it, a cowboy proudly wore his Stetson, so now the crease called Carlsbad is known by everybody as the Gus. It had hung there in the corner. T'was its place for fifty years. 
on the old tarnished coat rack by the door, inch-wide ribbon made of satin, once did proudly wrap the sphere, though sweat stains bleached its glory long before. But each stain holds a story, memories the felt holds tight, a life with a cowboy it could tell. There were times it filled with laughter, there were times as dark as night, each memory, every stain it knew them well. It could recall in days of young when it proudly rode the range, was the crown upon a young cowboy free, on the wind they rode together, and to some it might sound strange, but a cowboy's hat is all it wished to be. Now the grease and stains hold stories of the rim rocks that they rode, of rains as thunderstorms discharged their lights, grand horses beneath the leather, freezing rides on nights it snowed, every trial, all their rituals and rites, of the time it turned a cow, slapped her fully in the face, broke her challenge and sent her on her way, the times it caught rainwater, times it urged a faster pace, times it twirled when he was sociable and gay, it was with him as a young man, bold and strong their wonderlust, the grasslands and the mountains wore their track, it rode with him every outing, through each whelm and sun-baked gust, as their circles took them out and then brought them back, yes, and how he loved the horses, beauty, strength, astounding power, with fervor he looked forward to their ride. Rocky trail or through a tempest? Nor did matter time nor hour. His accomplice that hat he wore with pride. Now his hands are scarred and buggered, and arthritis call them home. And his bones recall each bad wreck with a sigh. And the hat is bent and dusty, with salt stains that ring the dome, a tribute to the miles that have gone by. Yes, it is a J.B. Stetson with a crease of Carlsbad, the old satin band now frayed with fuzz. It still hangs there in the corner. It belonged to my granddad, and I pray I might be half the man he was. Carlsbad, that's Floyd Beard from the album Four Aces and a Queen, and I'm sitting here looking at my credenza, and on that credenza is a pair of cowboy boots that belonged to my dad, who would have been 109 November the 10th, and right beside that is a cowboy hat with a sweat-stained brow and and looks like a Gus or Carlsbad. Made me think about that hat. Thanks, Floyd. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Well, I can remember the first time I ever sang in front of an audience when I was uh, about 10 years old. Dennis Russell, do you remember the first place that you got up and performed at a cowboy poetry gathering? I believe I do. Um I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm only thinking it was this, but I believe it was in Grand Junction, and 
it was probably 15 years ago, 14 years ago, and um, went and performed my poem, Old Yellow Horse, I think. That, wow. That question kind of got me off guard because I <laughs> really don't know. And and it could have been in Durango at an open mic. That that could have been the first place I performed that poem. Okay. That, I'll probably right. say that that's, that's probably what it was, at Durango at the open mic. So who inspired gathering. you? Who inspired you to do Cowboy Poetry? Uh, Mr. Mr. Dale Page. He was um, How about at that? Our, our small place down on the river in Cimarron, New Mexico, and he was talking about recitations, and uh, he shared one of his with me at that time. And I said, well, I like that idea. I probably could do that. So shortly after that, I wrote The Old Yellow Horse. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, Dale, who was it? uh, Do you remember where you first performed and who inspired you? Yes, the first place I performed was at the Durango Straighter Hotel. Randy Houston was uh, kind of leading a jam in the in the lobby there, and uh, he called on me to uh, to recite a poem, and so I did that, and and that's what got me started because just coincidentally the talent wrangler Karen Little was standing behind me when I recited the poem, and uh, she after. The jam broke up. She invited me to the gathering the next year. So that's oh, wow. what started me. I, th- I think that was 2009. Wow, wow. Who was your inspiration? Oh, I guess actually it would uh, have been a Charles Russell painting. Uh, you, you probably know it. It's Bronx to Breakfast. Mm-hmm. And. I still have the first poem I ever wrote, which was entitled Bronx to Breakfast, uh, inspired by that painting. And I still have the original typed on a lined paper and uh, with a Underwood typewriter. That was 1975. Oh, wow. Well, oh, wow. Wow. I learned to type on an Underwood. So I, the people out there don't even know what a typewriter is anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> Oh gosh! Well, Terry Nash, who in, who inspired you, and where was your first gathering to perform? Gosh, you know the the first inspiration I had, Gary, was uh, in a bar <laughs> up in up in Fort <laughs> Collins, Colorado. <laughs> now stay with me here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I walked I walked into a bar one night in the Holiday Inn, and there sat this cowboy off in the corner with his guitar, and he had a a boot out in front of him and a little sign that said tips. And, and he was sitting there playing the songs that my dad used to sing way back when I was a kid. And and he was also singing songs that he had written about the cowboy life. And it inspired me. to. I, I just had to go put money in his boot. And he says, what do you want to hear? And I said, well, I want to hear you play all night. And it turned out, turned out that man was... That was Gary McMahon, and this oh, been, no. Oh, no. yeah, this has been thirty years ago, oh, and uh, oh, no. 
anyhow, so Gary inspired me uh, when I realized, yeah, you can write about this life. And, you know, you can put a song together or a poem together that describes, you know, how you're feeling and what you, your upbringing and, you know, anything about this life. Uh, wow. Boy, that, I, I took that and ran with it. And that was long before I heard the name Baxter Black. Baxter also inspired me, but but uh, that's where I got my my longing to write. And I, I think the first cowboy gathering I know the first cowboy gathering I was in was the uh, Grand Junction Cowboy Poetry Gathering, which has morphed into uh, our Western Slope Cowboy Gathering here in Grand Junction now. But um, that's the first place that I got up and stood behind the mic and recited a poem I'd written. And, wow. Wow. You know, it's, it's, you, you can't hardly get away from it. Once you've done it, it's like a, oh, it's just a taste that you develop that you love and you want more of. Wow. Kind of like wow. the first, wow. kind of like the time you kissed your first girl. I can't remember that either. I can't remember that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I anyway, hey, we're going to get to this poem from Terry Nash. It's called Promise. And Terry, tell us about that poem. Boy, I'm glad you asked. You know, when Dennis came up with this uh, concept of uh, putting this CD together, the poems that we you know out of our book, there were three or four of my poems that I had never gotten to record. Promise is one of those. And Promise is maybe the one I'm the proudest of. I, I really love this poem, and, and uh, I got it. I was inspired by a picture of a, of a big old thunderhead off in the distance, and it was just starting to leak the moisture out to the range. And, and I looked at that, and I thought, look at the promise dripping to the range. And wow. that sometimes that's all you need is one little phrase, and where you – it, it turned it turned into a pretty decent poem for me. All right. Well, this is Promise. This is Terry Nash. We'll be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. Midsummer sun hangs bright and harsh and blisters everything in sight. We hope for relief after dark, but here it's even hot at night. We've heard of rain on other range, but well, that's just a vicious rumor. There's morbid jokes about wet spells. But I fail to see the humor. The cows, so far, show decent flesh because the feed left on the range, but spring's meager grass is getting scarce, and we know that something's got to change. And it does. The market drops. Feed goes up. Tanks, meanwhile, evaporate. The banker says we're overdue. And payment, well, it just can't wait. Well, there's a middling chance for a good outcome, but scant, to say the very least. Watch oh, just another darn dry spell, and that's the nature of the beast. But the weatherman sounds full of hope. He sometimes speaks the word monsoon. Says this heat's just what we want, and needed moisture's coming soon. That's dang sure hard to visualize when breezes only stir up dust. The sky, she rarely brings a cloud. So how the heck are we to trust? But now a breeze builds in the east and we hold our breath in silent prayer because look out west, 
dang, can that be? Is that a thunderhead out there? There's something about this cloud. Watch it drift across the range. It's like there's energy out there. Even the horses sense a change. But Ma Nature, she's fickle though, indeed. She'll flirt and promise you a rain. She'll have you looking at the sky and then deliver you more pain. You'll think that it's about to change like past rain seasons that you've had. Then like as not, she'll turn on you and her timing is always bad. But look, this cloud, it ain't the same. It carries color as it looms. You peer out westward once again and you're giving hope some room. Don't dare to look too often now for fear that you might jinx the chance. But you can't resist another look and you cast a hopeful glance. Now, updraft anvils out that cloud. A darkened layer forms below. There's lightning sparks now here and there, and thunder's voice comes soft and low. There's streaks of moisture starting down. You feel the wind turn to your face. You see the promise dripping to the range. Your cowman's heart begins to race. The heavy drops just seem surreal. They make small clouds of dust poof up. Then moisture seems to fill the sky, and now you're grinning like a pup. At night you hear the toads that croak when there's been a heavy rain. You know the promise has been kept by Mother Nature once again. Terry Nash, promise. Very apropos here in the West where rain is so very, very important, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the rain and... Yeah, and the the drought that we've been experiencing the last few years, it can it's kind of off and on right now. Yeah, I don't know if you could call it a drought, but it's it's there and it's mm-hmm. it's prevalent in all our minds. You know, in in agriculture, in ranching, and farming, you know, we're at the mercy of the weather, and mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a big thing to this this drought. And so it brings out the the thoughts. And you know, it made for a pretty decent poem. There's a there's several yeah. songs out there about droughts right now. So yes, there are. Yes, there are. <laughs> One of them, I think, won uh, Working Cowboy Song of the Year. Daryl Arnold and Tom Hyatt never cussed the rain, and you know, it sort yeah. of works really nicely with this poem. If you were doing a playlist <laughs> um, side by side, that'd be telling that story. Um, and Terry, one of the things that we've been doing lately on this um, show is talking uh, road stories. We know that everybody is uh, traveling back and forth to different um, engagements and festivals and things. And do you have a uh, do you have a road story? Any any particular time that comes to mind with a uh, has to be a family friendly <laughs> road story. Oh, darn. That limits us quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, <laughs> come on, Bobby Jean, don't give me such such parameters. I'm <laughs> uh, you know, Valerie alluded to when she wrote that really great poem, "A No Better Life." It was about a you know about a real happening. Uh, Floyd and and Dennis and I were driving down to Alpine, Texas, and we had spent the night in Cimarron. Well, we spent the evening in Cimarron, 
New Mexico and had had a great dinner at, at the casa where where Dale and his wife were were wintering. Uh, they put us on a big and we had you know a nice meal and a and a little house concert. And meanwhile, you could look outside and the snowflakes were coming down. You know, they were the size of Subaru hubcaps. It was just, <laughs> I mean, snow was stacking up and we're all thinking, man, getting up early and driving in this and maybe we better just take off. So we did. We hustled around and we left, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. And we jumped mm. in Floyd's, jumped in, well, Floyd borrowed Valerie's car and we jumped in that and, and Floyd drove and, uh, there was places we were doing 20, 25 miles an hour, and the visibility was awful. And oh, we finally wow. stumbled in. Yeah, we finally stumbled into a little town out in eastern New Mexico that I, whose name escapes me, but we found the only room I've ever seen. Logan. That, okay, yeah. And anyhow, we found the this. We woke this lady up at the, at the motel, and <laughs> and the only room I've ever seen that had three beds. And we all got a bed wow. and we slept a couple slept a couple hours and then took off and and we were I was kind of getting impatient wanting to get down to Alpine let's go you know but we were having to go slow and and Floyd got lost a couple of times he oh. he made wrong turns and and <laughs> and, and anyhow I, that's my I road story. That. this is dennis i believe floyd detoured us through oklahoma before we got back into new mexico (laughs) (laughs) i knew right where i was at yeah well well and in floyd's defense he did get us there and got us there pretty much mostly on time not quite late but but uh, it was it was quite a trip. We drove through a pretty strong blizzard going down there. Wow! Oh wow! And, so, wow. and all wow. the while, Valerie was home doing the chores. Yeah! Wow! Yeah! Wow! Wow! Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we Let's had uh, we had a bunch of uh, we had a bunch of artists over to the house, and we were sitting around the dining room table one night, and so they all started telling their road story. And we were laughing so hard, we almost fell out of our chairs. And uh, and maybe one or two that you could hear on the air, the rest of them you certainly couldn't. I thought, we'll just start adding that to the show. We'll start telling stories. Yeah, uh, I need to do a book. Yeah, I need to do a book. I need to do a book on road stories. But anyway, hey, we're going to get to a great, great poem from Dennis Russell. And Dennis, you uh, you alluded to this a couple of times. That's the old yellow horse. So how did this poem come about? Well, this poem, um, in, there is, it's kind of a twofold thing. But first of all, the relationship between a horse and a man, and a man and a horse. Horses know that man much better than that man knows that horse, and. All of us have had these dear friends for, you know, a good horse could last us 20 years, and it gives you a lot of yeah. time for that relationship. And what what kicked off this poem was I spent a lot of time driving rural areas around Colorado and New Mexico and Texas, and um, you see an old horse standing behind an old barn, and nobody's paying attention to it. You know that horse just 
somebody comes out and feeds it, and he just stands there. But the stories that that horse could tell, and and that's that's how I came up with this poem. Well, this is great. This is that old yellow horse, Dennis Russell. You're listening to the Campfire Cafe. That old yellow horse, he still knows the way, and he hauled that cowboy day after day. The man hummed his tunes to the hooves, kicking dust. That horse was his friend, he allowed him his trust. A reflection of history as they covered the miles, this pair was all class, it sure showed in their style. The cowboy stood strong for which he deemed fair, and that horse sure lived right in his old pard's good care. And through all the years, good times and bad, most of them happy, but a few of them sad, Always working for others, watching cattle and land. Man on horseback, both chewing on sand. And every Sunday they'd go the same way to the church on the hill where that cowboy would pray for that which he lost in his early year. The cowboy was sad. To the horse this was clear. And that horse never knew why he'd kneel to the ground and at the same stone when they're spread all around. But tradition was set and they always would go every Sunday to mourn through the rain or the snow. That old yellow horse, he still stands in that pen just waiting on his lifelong friend. And something was wrong. He remembered that day when someone else came to scatter his hay. Months had gone by and the gate was a sway and on Sunday morning he went the same way to the church on the hill where they always would go. Though his shoes had worked loose, that horse didn't slow and when he got to the stones it had grown quite cold and there was the new right next to the old. But as a creature of habit that horse turned away, he walked back to his pen and just finished his hay. And that old yellow horse, he still stands there today. Wow. I loved that one, that old yellow horse. And, uh, we've all had horses that were special in our lives. We've all had like- special horses. Valerie said a, a little bit ago we carve out a piece of our soul or heart and put in those poems, and and that's the case yeah. there. Yeah, it's a great poem, great poem. Well, I've got to tell you, you guys and gal have been awesome to join us today, and uh, and you've been really well behaved, probably more so than I thought. I mean, there have been no cats to herd or anything else. You've all been very orderly. <laughs> Uh, a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed. No, I'm not really. But anyway, it's been great. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start with uh, with Valerie. So Valerie, how can people get your poetry? Uh, contact me. Um, my phone number would be great seven one nine seven four zero one zero eight six, or they can go to my website. Um, all lowercase, okay. Valerie Beard, 2019 at gmail.com. And is that your website? 
no, 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 no. That's my email. They can email me there too, or my website. With okay, www. and your website is what? Is dot valeriebeard.com. All right, valeriebeard.com. Probably the easiest way for them to remember, because phone phone numbers and and uh, email addresses are hard to remember. But yeah. valeriebeard.com will not be hard. And uh, Floyd, yeah, what about you? Probably the best is to go to my website again, and that's floydbeardcowboy.com. Floydbeardcowboy.com. Yeah, floydbeardcowboy, all one word, Okay, and you can send the money. You can send the money to valeriebeard.com, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, yes. I prefer you send it to me, and, and that way I can hand it over to her. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. right. That worked. That worked. And Terry Nash, what about you? How can they get your poetry? Well, two different ways, Gary. Uh, yeah, Terry Nash Cowboy Poetry. Excuse me, Terry Nash Cowboy Poet dot com. But a, a good way to find all of them is at the uh, the website Western Gathering dot com. And just click on performers, and our, our bios are all there, and all of our contact information is all there. Okay. All right. And as far as Dennis, how can they get you, Dennis? Well, they can uh, find me, CimarroneCowboyPoet.com, um, okay. the com, or DRNPoet.com. Okay. All right. Many, many ways to do that. Anyways, do that. And Del Page, how can they find your poetry? Well, you can write me an uh, email at okiecowboypoet at gmail.com, or my phone number is 317-410-1326. And thanks, Terry, for putting that plug in for looking on the Western Slope uh, website and all the infos there. All right, that's very good. And you all have Facebook pages as well, too, don't you? So I'm oh, sure yes. they could reach out, send a message to you uh, if they're interested by reaching out on Facebook as well. Well, you guys have been <laughs> terrific, and uh, it's been a pleasure, pleasure to have you with us and to share your poetry. And Dale, I have saved the best for last. And I thought this was so appropriate to end with. Maybe I shouldn't say the best place, but this is a really, really great poem. And I thought very appropriate to end with. And that's Once We Were Kings. So tell us about how this came about. Well, back in 1966, two other college boys and I were taking care of 50 horses on the Philmont Scout Ranch. And then 40 years later, I went back there and stood in the corral Uh, where a a corner room was our bunk room. Uh, It seemed like it wasn't uh, good enough anymore, and it it had been given over to spiders and dust. And I stood there and thought about how things have changed in 40 years, and that's what inspired this poem. Well, this is a great poem. It's Once We Were Kings. And again, Valerie, Floyd, Dennis, Terry, Dale, we appreciate so much you guys being with us today. Well, thank thank you, Gary. Thank, thank you. You are, Gary. you are very welcome. You are very welcome. And Bobby. 
and Bobby. And Bobby. Well, this is Once We Were Kings. We'll be back in just a moment. It's a half day's ride to this cabin door where I spent my 18th year. There are spur marks still on the old wood floor, but the crew's no longer here. So it's silent now where a noisy gang gathered round to lie and spar or to ponder life while somebody sang to his battered old guitar. All the bunk bed slats have been long since burnt in that hungry cast iron stove. In the corner there lies a chair upturned with the leather seat I wove. There an old grass rope and a horsehair rein hang forgotten on the wall. That old Fraser rig won't be rode again. Whose it was, I don't recall. Through the fly-specked, broken-out window there stands an empty pine pole pen. All our broncs are gone, and I don't know where. And what's worse, I don't know when. But us boys who rode for a meager wage which was thrown away each week were part of a wild and woolly age that gave way to mild and meek. I can see us now round the Coosey's fire when the herd was bedded down. We would swear our oaths. We would not retire to a lesser life in town. We would toast our lives with a strong black brew while we dined on beef and beans. We looked down on the suit and necktie crew who don't know what living means. For we ruled the world from our leather throne since the top a half-broke mount, and we spent our youth as if kings, not drones. We were rich in things that count. When we tallied dreams that can still come true, we will find our herds are short. But we won't regret what we didn't do when we stand that final sort. For a few short years, we were pleased to live as the luckiest of men. We enjoyed the best that this life can give because we were cowboys then. Well, we'll be back in just a moment to wrap things up on the Campfire Cafe with Bobby Bell. But right now, let's take a listen to another great song by Mr. Don Edwards. It's West of Yesterday. In the evening's twilight Melancholy shadows stray Down the trail of memory From west of yesterday The night's a time for thinking Back to days of long ago And my favorite cowboy hero and that famous horse he rode They rode the open range 
Out across the silver screen Over sawdust trails and purple sage And in a young man's dream Dreams don't last forever But memories never die Out there west of yesterday Tom Mix will always ride Last sundown He watched a crimson desert sky Do you think he knew the morning doves Were singing their last goodbye Do you think he chose this place to die Did he plan his destiny The answers in the desert wind Where his spirit still rides free He rides on heaven's range Beyond the mountain's purple haze Over stardust trails And golden clouds In that land of endless days It's the land where dreams come true And memories come alive Out there west of yesterday Tom Mix will always ride Out there west of yesterday Tom Mix and Tony Will always ride One and only John Edwards. Bobby, what a great show. A terrific show. And it was so delightful to spend time with each and every one of our guests last week. And you were missed. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I miss being at the convention. And uh, hopefully we'll make it this coming year. But uh, I, I was well represented. I was well, well represented. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Playing that song West of Yesterday, Don Edwards. It's just been over a year since he was gone, and um, how appropriate that song was. 
how appropriate that song was. You remember the last show that Don did with us, with Katie Ryan? We talked about Yes, Coyote. I do. Yes, uh, I do. Yeah. But anyway... Well, it has yeah. been fun, fun, fun today. We are we are putting Saddle Up America on a bit of a hiatus until we come back uh, for the new year and uh, just doing the Campfire Cafe, and uh, we'll be doing some Christmas things. I mean, Thanksgiving is just next week, and so it'll be Christmas <laughs> shows. By the way, we had Mr. and Mrs. Claus that joined us today. You remember Mr. Yes, we did. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. We have to yeah. see if we can get them back for a Christmas show <laughs> for too long. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Well, thanks to everybody for joining us today. It has been a lot of fun to talk about cowboy poetry and share some great poetry and, uh, and to share a little bit about the history of cowboy poetry how it got started and how it continues today. And with these five great poets that were with us, what a joy that's been. The album is Four Aces and a Queen, and you need to own that. And uh, and the book is as well, so be sure and check that out. Bobby, anything you want to leave us with as we close today? Um, I've been reading some C.S. Lewis. Uh, recently, and this um, this quote just kind of jumped out at me: "Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither." I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us today. Be sure and tune in Saturday for live from Nashville, and uh, that show is co-hosted with my wife, Mary Kay. And so we look forward to having people join us around the world for that show. And then be sure and join us again next Thursday for the Campfire Cafe beginning. Well, maybe not next Thursday. Next Thursday is Thanksgiving, <laughs> I just, isn't it? I Gee. know. I was, just, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Maybe we'll replay a show. How about that? We'll replay a show for next Thursday so people can listen to that as well. But uh, anyway, but the following week we'll be back with the Campfire Cafe. Mm-hmm. So be sure and join us then. And, and as always, you can find us on our website at equestrianlegacy.net, on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and most streaming platforms. Just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. Bobby, it has been fun, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for being with me. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. This last song, Happy Thanksgiving to you and Jim. Our last song today is No Wilder Place. This is a song written by my wife, Mary Kay Holt, and it is with R.W. Hampton. Beautiful song. We'll close today with No Wilder Place. And the sky is 
crystal blue In this land of enchantments My enchantment is in you You had on the wildflower With the I can't be there to catch you under that moon Mexico sky. It's just plain that black and white. You're on the There is no other place 
than between. 